Amen. Let me tell you about something that totally, totally transformed my life. It was about six years ago, going on seven, and uh, I was reading a, a book, and uh, the book's called Dreaming with God. It's by a guy named uh, Bill Johnson. I, I can't tell you how the book ended because I only got two chapters in and I gave it away. Because in those first two chapters, I had something that was revealed to me by, by the scripture. It's funny that it took me reading this book to see a scripture in, in a new light because it wasn't even anything that he particularly said about the scripture. It was just reading the scripture reference in chapter one of the book that totally the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And uh, I, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit uh, in 2010. So I haven't lived a spirit-filled, spirit-empowered life for very long. There's people in the room that have been baptized in the Holy Spirit longer than me. I got saved whenever I was nine years old, water baptized at nine years old in the free will Baptist church. I was grateful for that because I actually had a choice in my salvation. That was awesome. Free will. Anyway, that went over everybody's head, but nobody ever gets that joke. I don't know why, but it's a good joke. But I had a choice in my salvation. I was thankful, glory to God, that I had free will to choose to be saved. And, and uh, anyway, so I got to choose and uh, I, that happened at nine years old. And then in 2010, I had this profound thing happen. You know, the book of Acts Pentecost experience happened in my life. I had power from on high come upon me. And uh, I believed in Jesus for a long time, but there's something that happened in 2010 that I came into a place of knowing Jesus, not just believing in Jesus. And people get anxious about that because when you talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's where people's insecurities start talking to them. And people live more by their fear than they do by faith anyway. So when you start talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, people say, oh, well, that's, you're one of those people that says, I've got something you don't got. I actually never said that. I just said I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. So if you're thinking that, you need to stop because that's not what I said. You know, it's a, it's a powerful thing that happens whenever a pastor's communicating or a spiritual authority in your life or just people in general, like your spouse or your boss or maybe your, your child or a friend, if you actually will listen to what people are saying, not what you think they're saying, you'll actually be able to understand what they're saying. But most people focus on what you're not saying because the inner voice and their thoughts, they trust more than anything else or anybody else. Their experiences, their opinions are more of a God that they worship than even the Bible and what's revealed to us through, through the Bible. Everybody Okay. If this, is, if this is your first night, I'm sorry. I'm just, this is the way I am all the time. So it's nothing new to everybody else that's heard me. Um, but you could say, man, this, this guy, he seems like he's just gonna tell us the truth. Well, I am. I'm a preacher. That's what I should do, right? You don't, you don't want me to get paid to lie to you, do you? That's what you got politicians for. That's not what you need preachers for. They, we pay them to lie to us. I don't get paid to lie to you. I pay to tell you the truth. Amen. Baptism in the Holy Spirit, accessible to everybody. Something that I think that's part of what Jesus died to be able to give us. John chapters 14, 15, and 16, Jesus actually says it's better for him to go away so that he could send you the Holy Spirit. Maybe tonight's not the night, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see which direction we wanna go. So let me get back to what I was originally talking to you about. Maybe I'll just whet your appetite in regards to the Holy Spirit, being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Maybe we can talk about that more another day. But I was reading this book and uh, I was reading it and I got to a couple pages into the first chapter and the author has his scripture reference and the scripture reference is John 15, 15. John 15, 15 says this, it's Jesus talking to his disciples and he says this to the disciples. He says, no longer do I call you servants. For servants don't know what the master's doing. But I call you friends. Because I've made known everything to you that the father's made known to me. And I stopped. And it made sense. What God wanted to be my whole life. When I said yes to him at nine years old. Was my friend. And I was taught that what God needed was, you know. Uh, uh, hired help that didn't get paid. <laughs> What I was taught that God needed was a bunch of yes men and yes women. God's after obedience. And God's after sacrifice. And God's after sucking all the joy out of your life so that you can be holy. Praise God. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
Yeah. I got, I got into the, wow, that's, I can't do that. I already made one denomination joke. I can't make the other one. So just let it go. By the way, we're not a, non-denom- we're not a non-denominational church. We're an interdenominational church. So we're all different backgrounds. You know, you can come here and still be a Methodist if you want to be. You can come here and still be a Lutheran if you want to be. I'm still, I was, I was confirmed in the Methodist church. I'm a card-carrying Methodist. <laughs> Baptized in the Holy Spirit. Saved by the Baptists. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> It's beautiful because in the kingdom of God, it doesn't matter how you get in. It just matters if you stay in. That's good. So it don't matter. You can be whatever you want to be. As long as we can say Jesus is what it's all about. Amen? Awesome. I'm just throwing out some God thoughts tonight. Some God thoughts. I do have notes, so don't worry. We won't get too far off topic. But uh, that just totally changed my life, that scripture. John 15, 15, no longer do I call you servants for a servant doesn't know what the master is doing but I call you friends because I've made known everything to you that the Father's made known to me. What would change about your interaction with God if you believed that he wanted to be your friend? What's awesome is if you look up that word friend in the Greek, it's actually a word that's, that, that means the equivalent of the best man at somebody's wedding. That word friend, whenever you study it out, if you look at it in the Greek, it's this thing that they used to have in wedding ceremonies of that day. And it was actually the friend that helped the groom ask for the, for the bride's hand in marriage and was responsible for key parts, key core parts of the actual service. So in our modern day talk, it'd be like the best man at your wedding. Isn't that incredible? Okay, so you got a big, a big jump. Pastor Dwayne said time and time again that it's taken him 30 years just to teach people that God likes you. So it might take me 30 years for you to believe that God wants you to be the best man at his wedding. But I'm committed to it. I think we can get there together. So here's the thing about God thoughts. The reason I love that passage so much is because whenever we read that and Jesus talking to his disciples and saying, I'm not gonna call you servants any longer, but I'm gonna call you friends. The reason he said he was gonna call them friends is because he made known to them everything that the father had made known to him. He called them friends because he was sharing God's thoughts with them. Have you ever felt like you just needed to talk to your friend to share your thoughts? Does anybody have friends in the room? We're going to do an altar call for friends here in a moment. I know it's Wednesday night, but come on, you got to work with me. My voice has been trying to go for two days, and you don't get to come and do nothing. I'm not going to be the only one working tonight, so you're going to, you're going to, you're, you're, you're going to respond, right? Or else I have, to, I have to pull Pastor Mark and come down there and look at you, get a little bit closer. Don't make me take off my glasses, because then I'll get real brave, because then I won't be able to see you. I won't be able to see you anymore and I just won't care what I say after that. So I'll leave them on. There's restraint, the power of restraint. God called the disciples friends because he said that he had made known everything to them that the Father had made known to him. Three or so Wednesdays ago, we're a little bit off because we had a baptism in a dwelling place in the middle there, so it's been longer than that. But I told you that 1 Corinthians tells us, Paul writes and he says that for us as believers, that by the Holy Spirit, we actually have the mind of Christ on the inside of us now. Do you think the mind of Christ knows God's thoughts? Yeah. Do you think that the mind of Christ on the inside of you, shed abroad by the Holy Spirit, is a qualification for you to be a friend of God? The Bible says that the carnal mind, the unrenewed mind, is actually at war with God. It's resistant to God. It can't submit to God. God knew your natural mind would never be able to do it. So whenever he made you a new person, which is what being born again is all about, right? Becoming a new person. He actually gave you a new mind too. His mind. You just got to learn how to tap into it. And you learn to tap into it by learning how to build relationship with the one that's given it to you. You tap into it by learning how to relate to God, as Pastor Jacob said on Sunday, on the basis of covenant. 
God's not just a fair weather friend. He's a friend that sticks with you, not because of your character, not because of your conduct, but because of his character. How solid your friendship is with God is forever sealed by the blood of Jesus on the cross. Those covenants that Pastor Jacob spoke on on Sunday are a powerful thing. I encourage everybody to go back and listen again to that, to that message and to really step into a place of believing that those covenants have now created a way for you to be in this everlasting covenant with God. This relationship that's based on God's promises, not your performance. Isn't that incredible? Anybody have a acute awareness of how messed up they are besides me? Anybody married? You have a reminder every day for the rest of your life of how messed up you are. They will remind you. It's good. It's good for that. It's good. It's good for that. It's a good thing. You know, I, I think that we live life way too fast. And there's so much coming at us on a day-to-day basis. Decisions we have to make, you know, our phones are buzzing. And because our phones are buzzing with requests and needs and the people around us are buzzing because the phones are buzzing. And then we don't have time to hear the, the bees buzzing and enjoy the simple, quiet things in life because of all the phones and people around us buzzing all the time. Anybody's phone buzz as much as I do? A couple years ago, I about had a nervous breakdown because of how much my phone buzzed. I literally, I had to turn it off for like a week solid and I had to hide it in my drawer because every time it went off, I started to panic because I'm like, somebody else needs something from me. It was terrible. It was terrible. And there's this, there's this constant demand on your soul in the culture that we live in today. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Everybody okay? I'm talking about the soul. I'm talking about your inner state. I'm talking about the part in here that whenever you get in there and you look around, you're reminded of how messed up you are. Is everybody okay? That part, the way you think, the way you feel, the way you process, the stuff you think that you never say, that's a part of your soul. Everybody okay? And our soul is, is in a constant state of demand in this generation that we're a part of. People don't seem to get a relief or a break from the amount of stimulus that's coming at them day in and day out. Everybody's living on a fast, fast pace. And here's the thing about it is that I've, I've been to major cities, LA, New York, and you see this on a much bigger scale. But even in the humble rural community of Durant, Oklahoma, people live fast. Um, I remember one of the things I noticed one of the times we were in New York uh, doing mission work, street ministry, is that, uh, you know, you have to take public transportation for everything. I mean, you could drive, but it'd be a waste of time. New York City, to me, is not drivable. There's just no way to, to drive. So we get on the subway, and you get on the subway, and everybody shuffle in, and it's like a cattle car. Everybody shuffle in, shut the door. And uh, you'd literally be, we would leave during the commute to work in the morning. And we were the last subway stop in a, in a suburb called Flushing. And we get on the train in Flushing and we take it into the city with the ministry we're working with. And you'd get on the train in the morning and you literally would have people, I mean, no further than the length of your hand away from you crammed on here. And nobody would look at each other. You'd have somebody standing right here and you'd look right past them and they'd look right past you. And they'd have their head down on their phone or they have their headphones in or they wear sunglasses. And you have these people that are constantly in proximity to each other but never in connection. How close is the mind of Christ to you? It's a lot closer than a hand's length. How many of us live our lives like the New York City commuters on the subway when it comes to our relationship with God? Closer to us than our very breath always in proximity, but hardly ever in connection. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Some of it's because we think that we're supposed to be this yes man or this yes woman for God. Some of it's because we're working through the assumption that God's always ticked off or he's always one wrong decision away from being ticked off. Or we don't feel like, you know, because of our past or because of our present or because of our scriptural knowledge or because of our prayer ability, all these things coupled with the demands on us from our day-to-day lives 
and our day-to-day busyness drive these wedges in between us and our relationship with God. And the truth of it is, is that if we're really gonna start accessing God's thought, and last week I made a case for you that part of God's mind on the inside of you is it's willing to lead you into a place of health. Solically, physically, relationally, emotionally. Church, can I get a witness that Jesus is a healthy person? He's the source of all health and all life. Can I, get, can I get a witness that Jesus knows how to have a functional marriage? Je, Jesus knows how to manage money. People don't like to talk about this, but money's one of the main things that Jesus talked about because he knew it bothered people. I love Jesus because he talked about things that he knew was gonna get on people's nerves. It's incredible to me. I just love that. Maybe you don't, man, maybe you don't find the joy in that, but I do. I see the things Jesus said to people and I think, man, I'm doing okay. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Jesus said some intense things to somebody. Would you still love me if I told you that you were a whitewashed tomb full of dead men's bones? Would you still love me if I called you a hypocrite? See why we have to have the mind of Christ because only Jesus can get away with that kind of stuff. And you haven't been walking with Jesus if he hasn't called you a hypocrite at least once. Jesus is not a fortune cookie. And Jesus is not the magic eight ball. (laughs) Jesus is not your divine genie or your your divine vending machine. Jesus is Lord of the universe. And he's got things that he wants to tell you about your life. Do you know that a friend can tell you something that a stranger will never be able to tell you? Why? Because you got connection with them. I like hearing hard things, but I like hearing it from people that I know love me. Anybody ever heard a hard thing from somebody they weren't sure whether or not loved them or not? That's a little bit different experience, isn't it? It still stings whenever a friend that you love tells you that you're a hypocrite, but it's a lot better than a stranger on the street, isn't it? See, we need the mind of Christ on the inside of us because there's some things that only Jesus is gonna be able to tell you. You wouldn't take it from me. Trust me, I've tried with a few of you and it didn't work out so well. No, you're not here tonight, so that's good. But here's the thing that I want to encourage you with is that if we're going to be able to grow in health, if we're gonna be able to grow in the things that God wants us to do in this life and in this world, and if we're gonna be able to grow in our relationship with Jesus, then we've got to first believe that he wants to relate to us on the basis of this covenantal friendship. Jesus knew what he was getting into whenever he said yes to you. He knew. He knew what he was getting into. You didn't know what you were getting into when you said yes to him because that guy, I mean, he's a wild ride, isn't he? Anybody ever keep, like, anybody in here actually keep company with Jesus? Some days it's just joy unspeakable and full of glory and some days it's just scary, isn't it? Like, Lord, what are you doing? What do you mean? I don't want to talk to that person. Pray for them. God, I just stopped cussing them. How am I going to pray for them? I'm going to have to repent for cussing them before I pray for them. How's this going to work out? What are we going to do? Don't look at me like you've never cussed anybody. Bunch of lying Christians in the house tonight. Praise God. You need to get delivered. I didn't say that you do it anymore. I'm saying that you probably used to. Well, some of you still doing it, I know. But here's the... Here's the, thing that I, here's the thing that I want to encourage you with is that Jesus knows all that stuff. But he still wants to commune with you. Why? Because up on Jesus' end of the deal, he says, yeah, that's my friend. You might not claim you, but Jesus will always claim you. Unless you reject him. Because then it's kind of like... How's he going to claim you then? You said no, you know what I mean? But if you said yes to Jesus, he's always going to claim you. He's always going to walk with you. He's always going to be there to lead you and guide you by his Holy Spirit into all truth. And there's just this busyness in life. And there's way too much notifications. You know what I'm talking about? Does anybody have a smartphone that you feel is like is robbing you of your intelligence? The phone, it's, it's constantly notifying me of things, you know. Don't forget this. Don't forget that. Respond to this. Respond to that. People calling. And I don't know about you, but does anybody work for a living? Okay, good. If you don't, I want to talk to you because I want to find out how you make your money. <laughs> it might be a better gig than what I've got going, so I want to find out from you how you make your money. 
But listen, if you work for a living, have you figured out that the demands and the busyness that you experience at your job, those things don't pause or halt or stop whenever you get home? Have you figured out that your family has got its own demands? Your, your, your friendship relationships require your attention. Has anybody been able to identify that it's hard to really ever clock out? And here's the thing about it is that we're, we're so bad at knowing how to rest and knowing how to really commune with God in this place of rest that when we do rest, it's more like collapse. And when we do collapse, we're unresponsive. We're unresponsive to the people that we love and we're also unresponsive to the Father. And, and so whenever we rest, we rest wrongly and we never really recover from all the things that are being thrown at us in a day in, day out basis because collapse is not rest. That's exhaustion. And I can tell you, exhaustion is not healthy. God doesn't want you to live in a place of exhaustion. Exhaustion breeds irritability. And I don't know about you, but even me, I know that I'm a Holy Spirit filled, holy individual, but you don't want to be around me when I'm irritable. Nobody's fun when they're irritable. Nobody, right? Exhaustion is like this low-grade fever of irritability that you have all the time. And why are you tired? Because there's a core need in your life that's not being met. That's why I love Jesus' invitation. This is the invitation of friend, Jesus. Yeah, he's Lord of the universe, and you don't need to forget that. But this Lord of the universe does want to relate to you on the basis of a friend. See, a lot of times you get confused because you've got two camps. You've got the Lord Jesus people that are serving God just totally out of obligation and being driven by religion. And then you've got the friend of Jesus people with no moral compass, no moral code. You know, Jesus is just all right with me, right? It's just this, everything goes in this relationship. And what we're actually looking for is we're looking for the savior of the world, the Lord of the universe and responding to his authority, but he's inviting us into a certain amount of proximity. I know this is a really bad uh, expre- or, uh, metaphor for that what I'm going to give or analogy, excuse me. But it's kind of like this. You know, if you were friends with the president, that doesn't stop him from being the president. But if you're friends with him, you have a proximity to him and you have the potential to have conversations with him that not everybody else has. It doesn't take away his title. But what it does, that friend relationship means that you're in this place of, a, of an inner circle that others might not have access to. It's kind of like that with Jesus. Us being a friend with him doesn't mean that his core values change whenever he's around us and he puts his morals aside and he hangs up his lordship so that he can be relatable and cool. He pretty much stays the way that he always is. Not only is Jesus the most healthy person in the universe, he's also the most consistent person in the universe. It's called faithfulness. And whenever we get into this place of understanding the friendship that we want to have with him, it doesn't take away his lordship, but it does invite us in to a closer proximity. It invites us into a place that Jesus actually wants to share his thoughts with us. But because we have all this influx of activity in our lives, because we're plagued by busyness, because we're plagued with distraction, because all of these things are happening in us and around us, we miss out on God's perspective. Nothing will give you God perspective like God thoughts. And I got news for you. Every situation in your life, you need God's perspective, not your perspective. I was driving down the highway a little while ago, and this is just something that happens with me, and it happens to you too. When I tell you, you'll hear it. But I'm just, it's in the everyday tasks of life that God likes to show up and talk to me. So I was driving down the the highway and I was busy, okay? I was in a hurry. Austin was texting me saying, are you still coming to this meeting? And there's this thing between Austin and I is that when I tell Austin I'm on my way, there's like an hour and a half time window there of what that really means. (laughs) So if I say, yeah, I'm on my way, he knows that could be like five minutes or an hour and a half later. So I'm on my way to where I gotta get to. And he didn't really ask me if I was going to a meeting. It just made the story better. So let me stick to the facts. I was driving back. I didn't get to, I didn't get to give a shout out to, to my buddy tonight, so I had to. But I was driving down the road and there was this, you know the people that drive really slow on the highway that are annoying? It's like 75 and they're going 50. You know what I'm talking about? 
And I get it if it's the Flintstone car. You see some people in the, in the Flintstone car, right? Like they're actually, their feet's out, they're pedaling. You can tell something's wrong with the vehicle. I got grace for that. I don't have grace when I see that this is a sound vehicle. And how do I know it's sound? Because I'm using my perspective. And I can tell you, that vehicle is sound. The driver appears to be sound. Why are they going 50 in a 75? Anybody have all their Christian virtue tested on the highway? That's where a lot of my Christian virtues tested is on the highway, man. I've had, I've had great, awesome ministry opportunities on the highway, literally. I had this awesome God appointment on the highway one time. Don't have time to tell you about it tonight. But, and then I've had my worst moments on the highway. Some of my worst fails as a husband, father, pastor. has been on the highway. It's terrible. So here's this car going super slow. And from my perspective and from my thought, there's no excusable reason for them to be going this slow. And I do the whole, ah, you know, nobody's there, but I know that they can hear me if I do that. Ah, what are you doing, you idiot, or whatever I'm thinking in my mind. And is, it, is it okay to be real at church? Some of you, some of you man, I, you know, I hope, I hope never, nobody ever talks about what you do. I don't think you'll last. You won't make it, but... I'm, I'm there and, and, uh, and I get out and I move over and I'm like, ah, what's going on? And I'm starting to go around them. And as I do, and I get to the front of the car, the whole like left side of the car is like ripped off the front end. And it hits me. God talks to me. And he says, you never know what people have went through that's making them behave in the present like they are. You never know what's a part of somebody's past that's contributing to their present behavior. And I was like, oh, God thought. But here's the thing. I've got the creator of the universe on the inside of me through the Holy Spirit. And I've got access to his mind. And his title of Lord doesn't go away because he's friends with me. So he actually talks to me as a friend, but from his title. Does that make sense? That's why he can speak corrective like that to me. You know, if you're friends with the president, there's some point in time that he could tell you to shut up. And you probably should. Some of you haven't figured that out yet. That's why your marriage isn't good. I'll work with you on that. There's a time that you just need to shut up and you don't need to talk. Are you listening to me? You don't know everything. You don't have the right perspective on everything. Do you know God's never wrong? Okay, admitting that God's never wrong means that you've got to be wrong sometimes. I know some of you have never said you're sorry to anybody, but you need to start with yourself. Tell yourself that you're sorry because there's a lot of heartache that's contributed to a lot of people's lives because they've never been humble enough to give an apology. All right. Anyways, so here's the thing. We have a goal to grow the Wednesday night service. If I keep talking like this, we're gonna go, we're gonna go reverse. So I gotta say something inspirational and fluffy and marshmallowy here in just a second. So let me think of something. Oh yeah, God wants to be your friend. That's nice. That's fluffy and marshmallowy. God wants to be your friend. So I was going around this car and God instantly talked to me about perspective. Isaiah 55, eight through nine says this, for my thoughts, whose thoughts? God's thoughts. Everybody say God's thoughts. Are not your thoughts. Praise God. You don't have God's thoughts all the time. You don't, your opinion isn't holy. Your preference isn't holy. The way you think about that person is not the gospel. You need God's mind. You need God's thoughts. Your personality is not sanctified all the time. One of the things I cannot stand is whenever people try to excuse their poor behavior and their poor attitude with their personality. Well, I'm just this type of personality. No, you're just a jerk. You need to get saved. And then, and then, they, and then we spiritualize it sometimes too. You, there's spiritual people you'll talk to. Well, my gift, the Holy Spirit's given me this gift to just know things about people. So I'm always distrusting and I'm always mean and I'm always suspicious. No, that's not the gift of the Holy Spirit. You're in bondage to an inferior spirit called the suspicion, not discernment. You need to get set free. That's not an excuse to be a distrusting, uh, suspicious, mean person. You can't spiritualize that. If it's not a fruit of the Holy Spirit, you gotta toss it. No excuse. And by the way, while I'm here and while I'm at it, you're not supposed to be growing and maturing in your, your personality. You're supposed to be growing and maturing in Christ-likeness. God's thoughts. I don't care if it's your personality. Your personality is inferior to Christ. Your attitude is inferior to Christ. Your opinion is inferior to God's truth. I know you feel that way, 
but your feelings are real, but they're not very often truthful. I've got to be able to access God's mind. Listen, Ecclesiastes chapter five, verse two. Maybe I should have read this before I spoke tonight. Just kidding. Do not be rash with your mouth and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. Listen, for God is in heaven and you on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. That's why I'm ending in nine minutes tonight. Following the scripture, I'm gonna let my words be few. Listen, what we think up here, okay, and I know, I, I know I've done a bad example tonight of doing this, but just learn from my mistake. What we think up here doesn't always have to come out through here. Are you hearing me? I had a situation, well, that one's too close to home. Can't use that one. Let me use another example. Let me go back to the car. When I was going around that car and I was frustrated because they were going slow, me grunting, me saying, you know, they're an idiot or dumb or whatever. I said, or what's this person's problem? That's one I use a lot. This is one I use. That's ridiculous. If you live with me and you know me at all, if you're a friend with me, you've heard me say that. That's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So that's why I said, it's ridiculous. And I start going around. Why? Because this person should know that I've really got to get someplace. And from my perspective, there's nothing wrong with their vehicle. And then I get around the front of them and I learn that, oh, I've used hasty words now because I see why they're driving slow. They've experienced trauma. I see why they're going 50 in the 75. Now, let me be real with you because everybody wants to feel, you know, Field, yeah, you know, and, and this is what happens in people's minds sometimes too. Yeah, people just need to get off my case because I've experienced trauma. That's true. We need to be patient and gracious with people. But here's the thing. You've got a responsibility to relate to people and situations in such a way that you can acknowledge that they've been hurt. But the individual has a responsibility also to connect with the healer and get that hurt taken care of. At some point in time, you're gonna have to learn that the vehicle's gonna have to be fixed for it to be sound on the highway. At some point in time, I've got to learn that even though I'm experiencing fear, I don't have to be controlled by it, and I need to try to drive the speed limit because it's legal, right? But we need to be patient in the process. Do you know that God is your friend? Easy one, yes, I told you that already. Do you know that God is extremely, extraordinarily patient? God knows that there's some traumas in all of our lives that's making us drive a little bit slower than we ought to. Making us be a little bit late on arrival. Making us a little bit skittish. And God, check this out, isn't just talking to me as the frustrated driver trying to get around that person. God's also talking to the person with the unsafe vehicle that's experienced trauma. And God's telling us both things on different ends of the spectrum, but they're both the purpose of trying to get us into a place of health, trying to move us into a place of wholeness, of soundness. Listen to this. This is what we need. What we need is God's wisdom in our lives. Do you know God's thoughts are the most wise thoughts in the universe? And you've got access to that. I told you about God wanting to move us, whether we're in a place to where we've experienced trauma in our lives and we've got legitimate reasons why we behave the way we do or experience things the way we experience it or we're just on this end of the, spirit, of the spectrum, irritable, frustrated, busy. God's thoughts are meant to change our perspectives and I've told you this, that Jesus wants to radically alter all of our realities but he has to do it through the doorway of your perceptions. God wants to totally change your life but before he can change your life, he has to change the way that you think which means we have to learn how to access his mind and we've got to learn how to receive his wisdom so that we can move into a place of wholeness no matter on one end of the spectrum we are. Trying to get around or the one that's experienced the pain. Wisdom is what we need. That's what God's thoughts provide. James chapter three, verse 17 and 18 says this, but the wisdom from above is first pure. God's thoughts in our lives whenever we access them and we pay attention to them, will always allow us the opportunity to purify our motive and our intention. Before God gives you a word on how to bring correction to somebody else, he will always make sure that correction happens within you first. So wisdom from above is first pure. It's first pure. What does that mean? I know a lot of us think that our opinions are holy and our perspectives are sanctified, but they're not if they're not God's. And what I'm trying to tell you is, is that if you're a believer, you can't play the excuse of, well, I just don't know what God thinks. You actually can. 
through the mind of Christ that's on the inside of you. You have to learn how to access it. You have to learn how to cooperate with it, but it is accessible. Top three things that I get asked as a pastor, one of those is, how do I hear God? Because when we're talking about God thoughts, that's really what we're talking about, is hearing God's voice on the inside of us. You say, Pastor, I've been praying for years to be able to hear God. And I say, God, just speak to me. God, just talk to me. That'd be like you telling me to preach while I'm preaching all night. (laughs) Pastor Zach, when are you going to preach? What if you're just here the whole time saying to yourself, Pastor Zach, preach. Pastor Zach, preach. When's he going to start preaching? When's he going to start talking? You'd probably miss everything that I've been saying. See, people start from a place in prayer a lot of the time asking for something that they already have. And that's confusing and that's frustrating. And if you've lived for years asking God to talk to you and you've never heard him, it's because you need to be quiet. God's been speaking from the beginning and he's never stopped. In the beginning he spoke and he's been speaking and he's speaking through Christ and he's speaking through the mind of Christ on the inside of you. And let me teach you a better way to pray. Instead of praying, God, speak to me, you have to pray this way. This is the way that we begin to come into an awareness. We don't ask God for things that we already have. That's pointless. What we do is this. We start from a place of thanksgiving. And what we say is, God, thank you that I'm your friend. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you're speaking to me. Holy Spirit, you're the great teacher that Jesus has given me because he knew I was going to mess this up. Will you help me become more aware? of God's already present voice in my life today. God, what do you want to tell me in this moment? Acknowledge the fact that God's already speaking. And if you do that consistently, and if you allow that to be a part of your discipline in your scripture reading, not just I want to check the boxes on the reading plan for today, but if before you crack open your Bible, you believe that the guy that wrote that, his brain is locked up on the inside of you. You ever want to know what the scripture says? Talk to the Holy Spirit. We make this way more complicated than it is. I like commentaries. I like the books that that teach me. I like pastors like myself that can help encourage me in the word. But some of the greatest things I've ever been taught, in fact, the greatest things I've ever been taught, have been taught to me by the Holy Spirit himself. He's the great teacher. We need to understand how we engage in this friendship with God. And I got to tell you that the way that we engage in this friendship with God is through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is ignored by most Christians. The Holy Spirit is marginalized and overlooked. The Holy Spirit is just like, I don't know what we, what we think he is or what he does. I remember in the churches that I grew up in, the only time you heard about the Holy Spirit is when we sang the doxology. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Glad we sang about him because I forgot him. Are you following me? Here's the truth. All of you can tap into the Holy Spirit more than you're currently tapping into him. Every single person in this room can grow in relationship with the Holy Spirit. I I don't think sometimes the reality of this really sets in for us. Some ways and some weird unconfessed things on the inside of a lot of us, we just have this picture that really what Christianity is all about is just me keeping the rules. It's it's, it's locked up on the inside of a lot of folks. And we don't want to be honest about it. We don't want to talk about it. But but we really think that just the the basis of our relationship with God is based upon how much I read my Bible. Or the basis of my relationship is based upon me praying the right way. I'm telling you that the basis of this relationship is about you having friendship with Jesus through means of the Holy Spirit. I started off in the first session telling you that Jesus told me how to clean out my kids' poop and throw up off the carpet with vinegar and baking soda. If Jesus wanted to talk to me about vinegar and baking soda to clean my carpet, man, what does he not want to talk about? And people think you're weird when you talk that way. Well, that's fine, but I like my relationship with Jesus. I like him being my friend. I like being able to ask him to lead me and guide me into all truth. I like the fact that he talks to me. I love the fact that every day he gives me tips on how to be a better husband. I love the fact that he gives me tips every day on how to be a better parent. I love it that he's teaching me how to be. Who better to teach you how to be a pastor than Jesus? I love that. That guy's helping me. I get better every day. 
Because I'm listening to Jesus. Because I'm growing in relation. There's no way you can hang out and keep company with Jesus and not get better. I can tell you why your marriage stinks because you're not keeping company with Jesus. I can tell you why things are failing in your life and things are upside down, turned inside out. It's because you're not keeping company with Jesus. Because in the middle of even the most trying moments and difficult times when stuff's really hitting the fan, man, when you come into this revelation that you've got friendship with Jesus, what else do you really need? You can give thanks in all things. You can stand in a place of constantly accessing God's mind and God's heart because this internal state, this inner world is set the way that it's supposed to be. You ever think about how Jesus could die on that cross and look out at the people that had just killed him and say, Father, forgive them. They know not what what they do. You ever think about how Jesus could know that Judas was a thief and a betrayer and pick him to be on his ministry team? You ever think about how Jesus could know some of the things and experience some of the things that he experienced and still release the things that he released? I can tell you why. On that cross, Jesus was dying, but he had already made a decision to live somewhere else because he was from somewhere else. I got news for you. You're from the same place. You're citizens of heaven. We forget that. We let the culture, we let our busyness, we left these worldly, temporary problems and afflictions convince us that we're less than Jesus has died for us to be able to be. We let this relationship that we've got access to with Jesus that's closer than a hand's length be interrupted by petty, menial things on a day-to-day basis. Let me tell you something. Your friendship with Jesus is worth being protected no matter the cost. Your communion with Jesus, your ability to grow in your relationship with the Holy Spirit should be the most valuable resource in your life. The most valuable thing in my life is being able to hear God's voice. The most valuable thing in my life is being able to interact with the presence of Jesus. The most valuable thing in my life is being able to have God thoughts. Because that's the only way that we are even really living, isn't it? This inner world, God thoughts in our life is all about transforming this inner world. I love what uh, A.W. Tozer said, one of my favorite authors. He says this, it's astonishing how many difficulties get straightened out without any effort when the inner life gets straightened out. Do you know when my inner life gets straightened out, it doesn't matter that the guy in front of me is going 50 because I can always pass him. Have you thought about that? I was complaining while I was passing the guy. You're guilty. You're complaining that all we've got is sandwich stuff in the refrigerator while you have food. All we got stuff for sandwiches. Well, praise God you're going to get to eat. I've only got $200 in my bank account. Praise God you have money. That's what we do. We've got our perspective of what we should have. But with Jesus, there's always more than enough. I lived a whole summer one time on $200. And I was married. It was awesome. $200. I lived four or five months on 200 bucks. Most supernatural summer I ever had. It was incredible. Go back and do it all over again. You know why? Because I got friendship with Jesus. Because I knew he'd take care of me. Because I believe that, man, Jesus, you've taught me what the Father's like. You said that I'm your friend and you've revealed everything that the Father's made known to you. And I know that God's a good dad. He's not an angry dad. And you said that if I asked for bread, he wouldn't give me a stone to build character. What terrible theology people have. Well, God will put things on you to develop your character. No, he won't. He don't do that. I love what I heard one time. It said that if, if I got accused as, as a dad for what God gets accused of doing to his kids, they'd arrest me for child abuse. And people walk around with these assumptions about these things that God's doing to them. Let me tell you what perfect theology is. Jesus. 
You know how my perceptions have totally changed and my perspectives have totally changed? You know, I believe that it's always God's will to heal people because I never one time saw Jesus when somebody sick came to him say, "Uh, the father and I are gonna leave that on you for another six months to develop some character. And when you're more perfectly formed, I will touch you and I will heal you. You know what I see is Jesus coming down off the Sermon on the Mount because he always practiced what he preaches because God's not a hypocrite and he's not a liar. And the leper runs up to him and says, if you will, Lord, I know you can touch me and make me well. And Jesus touches him first and says, I do will be made whole. I love that. Because Jesus is perfect theology. You want to see your life perfected? You want to see your life grow in maturity? That's what that word perfected means in the Greek when you read in the New Testament. It means to grow in maturity. You want to see your life perfective, you got to start having perfect thoughts. And guess what? You don't have any apart from Christ. But his mind on the inside of you means that you can have perfect thoughts all day long. You just got to learn how to access them. You got to learn how to quiet yourself. Like we talked about last week, you got to learn some healthy habits. You got to learn some disciplines. You gotta learn how to begin to take inventory of your life and saying, you know what? Today, my most protected time today is not gonna be time brainstorming this problem at work. My most protected uninterrupted time today is not gonna be me making my to-do list. My most guarded uninterrupted time today is gonna be me balancing the checkbook and paying bills. My most uninterrupted, guarded time today is gonna be me having me time while I eat my lunch in my car. Can I be honest with you? You don't need me time. You're the problem. You need him time. You need Jesus time. You don't need more me time. You need to get away from you. You're the issue. The devil gets way too much credit. The devil's not the biggest problem in the world today. I can tell you what the biggest problem in the world today is. Unbelieving, ignorant Christians that don't know what they have and are living a life at a deceived level when the author of all truth's mind is locked up on the inside of them. The most guarded, uninterrupted time I've got to have every day is time with my friend, Jesus. It's gotta be it. And life is always gonna give you busy excuses and busy opportunities and things trying to pound their way in to get you to forget that Jesus is closer to you than your neighbor on the New York subway. But God thoughts are slow thoughts. God doesn't think fast because he doesn't have to, because he's eternal. Eternity is not a long time, it's the absence of time. God doesn't need time. God's thoughts are slow. See, most people are living lives reacting to everything instead of responding out of wisdom. God thoughts teach you and those disciplines in your life, purposefully silencing your phone for that period of time and your time with you to connect with Jesus, personally making sure that you have uninterrupted time with Jesus, that discipline in your life every day is what allows you to discipline yourself that whenever that person gets ugly with you at work, or your spouse smarts off to you, or your kid does this, or your friend does that, that you don't react. You can calm yourself and access a God thought because you practice it every day by saying no to all these other demands for this hour, by saying no to the notification on my phone for this period of the day. Because I practice that every day, in a moment, I can immediately connect with my friend Jesus and he can instruct my response so that I don't gripe while I'm passing the person on the highway. So that I don't say, all we got is sandwiches. So that I don't say, all we've got is $200 in the checking account and I mope around all day and feel sorry for myself. And I make my evening with my wife and my kids terrible because I just feel like I don't have enough and I just don't know if we're ever gonna have enough. Well, you need to hang out with Jesus. He's got more than enough. Maybe you don't have enough because you're not trusting him enough. Maybe you don't have enough joy because you're not trusting him enough. Maybe you don't have enough peace because you're not trusting him enough. God thoughts. We need them. We need them about our situations. 
And we need them about the people that we encounter day to day. We need them about ourselves. We need to slow down. God's not in a hurry. You don't have to be. In closing, why don't you stand? It's astonishing how many difficulties get straightened out without any effort when the inner life gets straightened out. Raise your hand if you've got some difficulties tonight that you would really like to see straightened out. Let me tell you something. Jesus doesn't start working through problems from the outside in. He works through things from the inside out. In fact, when God wanted to solve the problem of humanity, case in point, the fall of Adam and Eve, he did that from the inside out. John chapter one says that Jesus is the one that's closest to the Father's heart that's made him known. When Jesus wanted to solve the solution of sin and death in the world, he took something from the inside of himself and then worked it outwardly. He's given us a model. That same Jesus in his mind is on the inside of you. If you'll allow yourself to have uninterrupted, disciplined time to connect with your friend every day, you'll be surprised what you start to in the midst of undisciplined environments recognize his voice, see his face, experience his presence. And what happens is the difficulties that we think are so complicated, they just start to melt away in the light of his glory and his grace. Isn't that awesome? Man, I need about 15 people to believe that tonight. Can I get about 15 people to believe that tonight? If you're, if, 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 you're one of the, if you're one of the 15 that wanna believe that, that you can grow in a friendship with Jesus, why don't you just put your hand on your heart? I only need 15. I'm gonna believe for more. Jesus had 12, I just want three more. Because one of you's a Judas, so I need one to replace you. So I gotta have at least three more. So put your hand on your heart. We're having some fun tonight. Father, we love you. Ministry teams, why don't you come? Why don't you come? While we're praying. Father, we love you. We know and believe that you desire friendship with us, fellowship with us, God. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't allow busyness, distraction, worry, lack, fear to drive a wedge in our connectivity with you. I pray that we would find peace by communion with the Prince of Peace, not by looking for solutions to our problems. Holy Spirit, show us a better way. Lead us and guide us into all truth. We respond to your already present presence. We say yes to your already speaking voice. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Why don't you give Jesus praise? Awesome.